Hi, Liz. Hey, Olivia. How's it going? It's good. Welcome to Women, Magic, and Power, everyone. How you doing? Thank you so much for listening. We have a great episode for you today. That's right. We have a good friend of mine, Jen O'Neill. We are happy that she made some time to chat with us and tell us her story. She is a life coach. She does meditation and um, she's a very good friend. So enjoy. Hey Liz. Hey Olivia, how you doing? I'm good. We have Jenny with us today. Hey Jen. Hi guys. Hi Olivia. Hi Liz. Hi. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. I'm I'm really stoked to be here. Oh, thank you. We are um, excited. I've told people in the intro already that I've known you for a long time now, but I can't wait for everybody to hear your whole story. So here we go. Okay. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up. What was that like? So I grew up until about 15 in New Jersey and it was, it was interesting. Um, (laughs) Very different than living um, in Pennsylvania, but if we're going to get into it, right? So let's just get into it. So Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm the oldest of, of three. And I was born to two parents who I think it's just so crazy because I'm a true believer that we choose our parents. And I do believe I chose a great, great, great lesson by jumping into the world with these two people. They are unique in the sense that they are extremely structured and Mm -hmm. rule followers. And I somehow was born the exact opposite. I'm an ask forgiveness, not permission person. So imagine growing up, you know, for in New Jersey, 15 years of always being wrong or, or being told that This isn't the way. And then um, as a result, I have my sister and my brother who kind of were stuck in the middle. We have to follow our parents. But then we have this older sister who's like this like spiritual rebel. (laughs) And um, it sounds like it's all great and cool now. But between like zero and 15, it was like torture. We wind up moving to Pennsylvania and world kind of changes because New Jersey is very different than Pennsylvania. Pennsylvania was about 20 years behind New Jersey. So by the time I got there, everything was so much more laid back. I was forced to chill out. Still had that little rebellious piece inside of me, but I kept it in because it was, everything was new. And then I graduate from high school, I go to Penn State, and I wind up kind of finding that little bit of rebellion again, more controlled. And then I recognized around early 20s, right after I graduated college, I had no idea who I really was. Mm. Like, I mean, things like um, I was getting married and I was registering. And I was walking with my then, you know, fiance, now my ex-husband. And I, he's like, well, what should we register for? Like, what do you like? I didn't even know what I liked. Like, it, it, was, it was a really, really hard realization because I was thinking to myself, I don't know me. Well, so, I guess, like, it sounds like, I'm going to ask you, where in New Jersey? Not that it matters. I'm just being curious. But besides that, I, it sounds to me like you had to fit into this box. You didn't even take a minute to 
connect with yourself. It was easier to just follow the path than to always be fighting. Yes. No, it was Roselle, New Jersey. And I'll tell you, there was, it was this really strange paradigm because it was, I wanted to follow the path because otherwise I would be like, quote unquote, in trouble. Mm-hmm. But my spirit, like my soul, when I say rebellious, was internally constantly saying, this isn't right. Like, this isn't right for me. This is wrong. But my out external, my outside world was saying, do this. And if you do this, you know, you won't get yelled at. You won't get emotionally punished. You won't get physically punished. You won't get spiritually punished because Mm -hmm. I grew up with a lot of religion. So I knew inside, but not outside. I, I couldn't go with it. I didn't have the courage to do it. You say you were a spiritual rebel. What kind of religion did you grow up with? Oh, lovely. I grew up not only Catholic, but I grew up Byzantine Catholic. It was Catholicism like 5.0. <laughs> so when I say like rebellious, it was interesting because it was so strict like so strict. There was no free thought whatsoever. So I was, you know, all these rules and all these for me, like man-made rules and God was scary and God was a punishing God and my rebellion. And I'm glad you asked that Liz, because I I might define that a little bit differently. I wasn't rebelling by giving like double middle fingers to everybody I looked at. I was rebelling inside. So what was happening was they're like, here's the rule. And I'm saying to myself, I'm going to go through this, but I don't believe it. Like they're like, oh, well, you need to go to confession, right? I would make things up in confession because I didn't believe that what I was really doing was telling this man what I had done wrong and waiting for forgiveness. I also used to make things up in confession. Did you? (laughs) Yes. I did not. I didn't have anything that I felt like actually, you know, warranted confession. I did the same thing. I love that we can laugh about it, but if I don't know about your perspective, Liz, but back then, that was not something you said to anyone. It was like... Oh my gosh. And then we, and rebellion in the sense that we also grew up in the, if the priest came to your home, you were the most popular people in the neighborhood. Like you were blessed. Like the priest would be invited for lunch. And I, when I say rebellion, it was more like, I didn't want to sit at the table. I didn't want to say, oh my, thank God you're here. You know, we are so lucky. It was more like, you know, what's this dude doing here? It's funny because you said how you picked your parents and what lesson they taught you through the years. And all I'm thinking is why they chose you and what lesson you have to give them. But, you know, not that anyone's right or wrong here. Just saying, you know, the experiences. Yes. My dad, he is... A born, raised, and will die the most, maybe if you, okay, let let me put it in a better way. If you could run for Pope, my father would throw his hat in the ring. (laughs) He would be like, all right, I'm going. Because my father actually asked me to put in like his will that if a doctor makes a decision at the end of his life, that we check with the Catholic church first. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, you asked me, me. To do that. So it's kind of interesting how he knows I'm the one that might be thinking that decision through a little differently than my siblings, but yet he asked me to, to, to carry that out. And it's crazy. 
to me. Like my parents and my dad, though, because he is that, you know, religious, not even religious. Let, I'll even go even further. My dad doesn't even read the Bible. He'll say to me, what does the catechism say? of the Catholic Church. And I'm like, oh God, years after, you know, doing what I'm doing now, a spiritual way of looking at life as opposed to religious. He did ask me to explain Reiki to him. He actually listened with like an, an interest. Yeah. Um, and I thought at least that alone was, was nice. Yeah. And that kind of religion is very safe. It provides so much structure. You don't need to make hard decisions for yourself, right? Because you just Agreed. operate in the structure. And and I think also like technology and evolution, like I bet they didn't know what Reiki was. And if it was available, they probably saw it because when you don't know something, you're scared of it. We do have the availability to find anything, find out more of something that calls you. But regardless of that, I think that what's commandable is that they didn't ban you or stop talking to you, you're telling us that he sat down and asked you about Not it. Not at all. Not at all. And and it, the one funny thing I'll say is one day he, when he was asking some of the questions about Reiki, he had this puzzled look on his face. And, and, and I said, dad, are you afraid I'm not going to get into heaven? Mm. And my dad goes, uh, it's going to be pretty tough. Because it's going to be pretty tough. And I just laughed at him and I said, I bet I'll see you there. (laughs) And he did still talk to me, knowing that I was like in his world, like condemned eternal, eternal damnation. (laughs) But you know, he's he's holding out hope, right? He's not saying you're not getting in. It's just going to be tough. (laughs) It's going to be tough. It's just going to be tough. And And we actually shared a good laugh around that. That was good. So um, let's go back to you doing the registry, walking around thinking, I have no idea who I am. What happened next? So I wind up, I wind up marrying my fiance at the time, Mike, who is a wonderful human. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I remember knowing even then that I didn't really know myself, but I also didn't know what love was. And he was so wonderful to me that I thought, well, I don't know what love is. This must be love. I'm just kind of love broken. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to marry him and I'm going to figure out how to love him. So I remember, I remember doing that. And then I also remember my wedding day being one of the worst days of my life. Mm-hmm. And it was, and, and, and not even ex- externally, it was internally one of the worst days of my life. Cause I think that's when I was starting to tap into intuitively, I was hearing no, but externally I was saying yes, out of fear, out of fear mm-hmm. of losing the love he did give me, out of fear of losing my parents' approval. And I just wasn't brave enough to say no to that. And a few months later, I get pregnant. And so now I'm like, all right, this this beautiful girl is meant to be with us. And then I have Hallie. That's my oldest daughter. And she was like probably the first true love of my life. It's not even I wound up staying. I had no thought of leaving. Hmm. So then I was just stuck with it. And um, then we we plan for our second beautiful. Well, because this beautiful. is life, right? Like this you, life. Yeah. And I chose it. You're married. You have kids. And that's what you're supposed to do as a good yes. daughter. You and just woman. Follow your path. Yeah. Because women don't break up the family, right? I mean, that's you. You can't do that. Like that's that's craziness. They're gonna put me on a 
table and give me a lobotomy. I mean, well, like, here's this wonderful man that loves you. Who are you yes. to say that you deserve more than that? That that's everything. It's everything. I, yes, everything. So Sydney comes along, my the, the second love of my life, honestly. And I, I can seriously say at that point, I didn't love myself at all. So I started therapy and we spoke about a lot of things that had happened and what led me there. And out of nowhere, I started having these, uh, what I thought was a dream at first. And it turns out it was a memory. And then it brought me back to New Jersey, seven years old, and I was sexually abused by a neighbor. I didn't remember until I was, um, I had had Sid and then I was making connections in therapy. It was very real. And then we were starting to figure out, you know, where love went haywire in all areas of my life, including, you know, the sexual side as a seven-year-old girl being abused. I started to open up to how do I you know, quote unquote, fix this feeling. Because I wasn't spiritual at this point. Because God was like, God was not cool for me. I was like, I was Byzantine. He was like, he was pissed. He was always, you're in trouble. And then I realized I'm sexually abused. And I'm like, well, where was God there? So I wasn't spiritual then. I I was going through therapy. And my therapist at the time, I was telling her how I don't like this feeling. And I, you know, God... God's like a total dick. And I'm like, I'm not into it. And she asked me the question as crazy as it is. I I remember to this day, she goes, well, how do you know God wasn't there? How could God be there? Like God of any, by any definition, like allowed that, like that was his heinous. Like I can't understand. And then her and I, we just started into these conversations around how God could have been there throughout all of this. And it just like, that was the start of everything. Um, I started to learn that God may have been there and I just was not quite seeing another side of it. And then I started to evolve into a dedication to learning who I am. And that's so the then, definition of miracles, right? Like a change yeah. in perception right there. Yeah. Yes. Yes. A shift in perception, 100%. I wound up recognizing that I did not, I was not in love with my husband and he was not receiving the love he deserved. And that was one of the hardest conversations I ever had to have because I let not only loved him, I liked him. Ultimately we divorced. And then after we divorced, I feel like I went into this weird time warp where I just started evolving uh, like faster than I could kind of keep up with. And it was, but it was beautiful, hard and beautiful Mm. all at the same time. You did manage through all of your self-discovery, you did manage to still put them as a priority and make a beautiful relationship. The priority was always, we're still a family. We're still going to focus on what's best for the girls. They talk about anything and everything. They're there for each. It's beautiful. You, You did a really good job, Jen. Thank you. Thank you. Because I will say... Mike and I, we made a conscious choice to focus on the respect we have for one another as opposed to the hurt. And as a result, our girls have been privy to conversations that maybe some others have not because we just believed in full transparency because we both grew up in households where there wasn't any. So as a result, the four of us are still a very strong unit. And I believe we will always be. I'm all about transparency as a parent. I think it's really important that put it out there. 
and we are realistic and don't over dramatize things. Don't make things taboo. This is life. How do we navigate it together? Yes. I love that. I love that. And I love watching my girls grow up with the idea that everything is figure outable. Doesn't matter. May not be the way you expected it to be, you know, co- coming to a solution, but it's just a matter of um what direction that solution brings you in or what form that solution comes in. That's great. So you were working at a bank. I was working at Prudential. Yes, I yeah. was working it was um retirement industry, but it was it was business. Um I'm a big believer that we can leave things without vilifying it. And sometimes mm-hmm. I think people want to vilify things to give themselves permission to leave. So sure. I, I can honestly say Prudential was so good to me. And but it just wasn't like feeding my soul. So I was I started like my own little side hustle of guiding meditation. And I was at my desk at Prudential on a Tuesday and I created a, a Facebook group and I said meditation at my apartment. Sunday night at like seven o'clock, $15. And as crazy as it is, I had 20 people come. I really believe I was asked to do this. So I, I started to talk about A Course in Miracles because that's what I was reading at the time. And then we went into this meditative, you know, spot, but it was different than most meditations. Like we did some breath work, but we also listened to some loud music because we wanted to you know, get everything that didn't serve us out of our, our bodies and our aura and our, and our subconscious. Like we were doing our best to do that. And it just grew organically. Like every week people were coming back. And so after a few months of that, I went into my boss at Prudential, who was wonderful. And I told her I was giving 30 days notice, but I swear I didn't know what I was going to do. I just knew I I should go. I knew I should go. This is a a key part of your process that I want to stop for a minute here. Yeah. Because it's it's not easy to walk out from safety, security, paying your bills, a salary with all the benefits that comes from a place like Prudential to follow your gut and your need for a spiritual connection and a calling into something that has all the opposite. There's no structure, nothing, right? So yes, I love it. But I know that a lot of people have a hard time understanding that step. How could you leave, you know, being a divorce slash single mom? I mean, I know you're not single. You have Mike by yourself with your daughters. How would you leave that job for something like that? Like, I'm going to sound like your dad now. How do you do that, Jen? my parents still didn't think I had a real job. I mean, they were like, oh, when you're done playing around with this, you know, don't forget there's a real world out there. So I think what happened, and I can't even say I think I know what happened, was that space that we really didn't go into from when I started my therapy journey and then went into starting to figure out who I was. That was years. That took maybe 10 years, I would say. I realized not only who I was, that helped me understand my purpose, but it also helped me understand that I had a spiritual safety net. And once I understood that that safety net, that spiritual safety net was always there, I wasn't scared 
because I think people don't walk away because they don't know who they're giving up to. Like they don't understand the way people say, let it go. They're like, well, who the hell am I letting it go to? I don't trust that. But when I started to trust love, that guidance, that inner guidance system, that courage, I realized that I could do it because everything was going to be okay. And I will say now you are a hundred percent that. Jen has, well, you know what? I'm going to put it out in the universe and see what shows up. And something shows up, right? Every time. Because she trusts a hundred percent the process. It's amazing. I do trust it. And I, and I, I, don't like uh, play small around that anymore because I do believe that my purpose, I was asked to share that message so other people can believe because it's a great place to be. Like, for example, I just, for the last year, I've been writing courses for a wellness app, applying everything I have learned through energy and with life coaching and Reiki. And I just gave my notice like two weeks ago because I realized that that experience expired. Now I'm ready for whatever the next, you know, piece of magic is. But that's how we evolve, right? We we can't get mired in the chapter that we're living, right? We have to, to move to the next chapter. We have to be willing to let go. Yes. And not vilify. Like you were saying, like not vilify the experience or demean it in any kind of way, but just say, okay, that's done. It's done. Right. That's exactly right, Liz, because I do know the people I coach quite often. I think they were just taught that they do need to vilify. But don't think it wasn't without fear either. Like I know my my framework also. I'm like, give my give me some some fear days, weeks, but I'm not going to unpack my bags and live there. I'm just going to visit. And then once that's done, I'm like, okay, now time to jump again. So um, you gave your 30 day notice. What happened next? For a prudential? Yeah. Okay. I remember going home that day crying. So I wound up sitting on the meditation pillow. And for me, that's prayer also, like my definition of prayer. And I remember saying something that A Course in Miracles taught me. It's a saying right from A Course in Miracles. Where would you have me go? What would you have me do? What would you have me say? And to whom? That's the saying. So I was saying that over and over again. And then at the time, my landlord and friend had some space for rent. And I told him, you know what, I've been doing meditation in the apartment, but you know, I would like to do it on a bigger scale. And he, so I opened up what was called balance, which was um, a meditation studio, but much more came out of that. You know, we did, there there was some yoga there. There was Reiki there. There was, we had some mediums there. We did card readings there. And then I was thinking, oh, this is the path I'm supposed to be in, but I hate the whole brick and mortar thing. And I realized, Mm. I'm like, Jenny, guess what? You do know yourself. Like, I was like, I was so stoked. I was like, oh my God, I know I don't like this. Like, this is big. (laughs) So, and I sold it and I started doing everything just from my apartment again. And I felt like this amazing freedom, which is, you know, priceless. And I continued that business for 15 years and it grew and I got to meet Olivia, 
through the course of all that. And I, in turn, got to meet Josefina, my Reiki master, and then a a beautiful soul and a beautiful friend. Well, and and I remember seeing you, besides that we became masters together and we did all of that (laughs) together, I remember seeing you become a life coach. You even coached me at some point, but you were we were doing, she does also Kundalini meditation. Yes. At that point, I was very heavy into Kundalini meditation because that's what spoke to my soul the most. Branched into other areas also, just again, expanding the tools. So my business has elevated as I've elevated, but um, a lot of it was ugly because even though Olivia says I coached her for a while, I, I mean, Olivia, I don't know if you remember countless phone calls from me when I'm like, listen, this is a, like a core wound of mine and I'm stuck and I, I don't know. We need a do. tribe. That's what we do. That's what we have. A tribe of people yes. that are like mm-hmm. vibrating on the same level and we get each other to move through whatever we need to move through, you know? Because yes. connection, connections build power. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. And I, and connection is why we're here. You know, if, I mean, if we didn't want to connect with other people, we would have stayed non-physical. Like we want to connect with people. Like, and Olivia, you have helped me like more than I think I've ever expressed, but that's, that's what we do for each other. That's, That's right. what we women, our tribe, our, our posse does for each other. That's right. And working together is always fun too. So that, you know, doesn't take away from anything else, but that is a bonus. <laughs> no, I think, I, and I will say trying to own all of our strengths. I do want to say that when you and I work together, I do feel there's a magic there. It's it's not like anything I do when I work alone. And for some reason, I maybe even our soul contracts just showed up and were like, you're going to do this together. I think there's a, a very important part of all of this story that is being able to have insight and realize if this situation keeps repeating itself over and over, what am I supposed to learn here? What can I let go? What can I incorporate? How can I change or evolve or whatever? And I think that's only because you're able to be in touch with yourself. Yes. To be able to realize, well, what feels authentic what doesn't and what am I doing because it's laid out for me and I have to say yes on the exterior, but I feel a no on the inside. Uh And making the conscious choice to carve out time and space to do that, right? Yes. Yes. Saying, okay, it's important that every so often I check in. Yes. Yes. With the deep down parts of me and see what's happening yes but yeah i agree it's checking in with yourself and also again being honest enough or brave enough to say okay i'm gonna do something about it you were using the word carve out time and i also feel like it's about carving up your life the way that you want to live it i like that like this is how i want to shape up my life and that's what you do i think that's the part that is the most magical about you Oh, well, Olivia, I, I love that because I want to say I denied that compliment, if that's the right way to say that, for so long. I do choose this. I choose this every day and I don't always get it right, but it's my intention. And speaking of curving your life up the way that you want, let's talk about yes. so you didn't know what love was and tell us yes. a little bit about that journey. Okay, so I had these two beautiful girls, and I recognized that what I felt for them was something I'd never felt before. 
So that sort of gave me this spark of hope that was like, wait, this feeling can exist. And I wound up again back working in therapy because it was such a critical piece in, in my love journey. And my therapist would ask me questions like, well, have you ever had that feeling toward yourself? Not only was the answer no, hell no. It was, it was almost like it would be a bad thing to feel that. She and I started talking about what examples of love have I seen in, in my life growing up. I didn't see any at all. So it, it hit me that I was really behind the curve on this. So I decided from that point forward that I was going to put an effort toward getting to know myself, getting to like myself, and then see if I could love myself. It was like in that order. And then I realized I like being like my own company. And then um, it moved into, okay, what about boundaries? You know, what about, what about things that you're allowing into your life that say the opposite, that you don't love yourself? And I started to apply them slowly, first with my mom. If I spoke to the, my mother on the phone, I would set the microwave timer. So after 10 minutes, the beep would go off and I'm the name of self-love. Instead of torturing yourself, you're going to get off the phone. And I swear it was like Pavlov's dogs after a while. She would like hear the the microwave go off and then she'd be like, okay, I got to (laughs) go. And I'm like, oh, is it really working? And then um, I went on to some deeper things. What is your worthiness and what is your birthright? And what do you need to do to deserve the good in the world? And I started to come to the realization that I only needed to breathe. I just had to be. I started to teach my kids that. And in the process of teaching my kids that, I feel like I learned it even more for myself. And And that's everything, right? Because it's completely the opposite of what we hear. If you don't produce, if you don't make, if you don't It's a really profound idea. In order to deserve good things, you don't have to do anything to earn that, right? Just by existing. Yes. It's like, what did um, Roma say when we were talking to her? You know, the Druids, you're perfect as you are. Whatever you are in that moment, you are everything you need to be. And the next moment, things might change. But just the idea that we're worthy and deserving and wonderful just for existing. Mm-hmm. Just that, for existing. Yeah, and that it does go against everything. virtually everything that our culture prizes and tells us. Yeah, I mean, yes. you're talking about what you tell your daughters, and I'm thinking, and you know, all the other pressure that we put on kids, like on their grades and on their extracurricular activities. And the list is so long, and we've all been through the same grinder. So it's not that it's yeah. anything different for anyone else. It's just this the brainwash you gotta unwash it you yeah. gotta it. i don't know i but- swear i think like 75 percent at least of parenting is just deprogramming <laughs> and she does yeah. it i feel really strongly about that no liz i agree with you on programming deprogramming whatever the word is i agree i think that's the big piece of parenting i agree with you yeah and she does it yeah. too She's she's good at. I, I'm like a systematic deprogrammer. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's a it really is. Oh, I, 
Yeah, because we don't realize it, you know, we're just all operating by our unconscious messages. So like you start yes. having someone that's like, nope, that's the patriarchy talking. And you're like, yeah. oh, well, and, it's, and it's not just parenting, right? It's like the people that we encounter and our friends and our family. Like we, I think it's super important to, again, it's this stopping to understand and taking the time to understand why we think the way we think and why we act the way we do. It's not necessarily all coming from within us. It's coming from what we've been taught. I think the divine feminine is really coming into some recognition by the masculine side right now. I don't think we're 100% there. Of course, we're not 100% there. But I think we're, we're getting some good press, if I could say it that way. Yes. Just well, and I think people are talking about it in ways that we haven't talked about it as openly for a while. Yeah. Right. You know, you had like the big feminism waves in the 60s and 70s. And then we had a couple decades where, of course, people were fighting and people were talking. But there was also this sort of assumption that, you know, OK, everything's equal now. It's all good. <laughs> you know, now we're at a point where we're all happy saying yeah, you know what? Actually, this is bullshit. Yeah. And I, Let's talk about it and acknowledge it yeah. so we can move past it. Yes, yes. And I think the energy of it is shifting or needs to shift because when we go about it from a fighting perspective, which we had to, but that's a, that's a, the fighting energy for me is the energy of the problem. So when you go at it from a, let's do it a little bit more gently, a little bit more nurturing, but then you're at the energy of the solution. I say in meditation often, mother Teresa was asked, Hey, you know, this is my version of it. Of course it wasn't don't quote this mother <laughs> Teresa. Yo, you want to come to a, an anti-war rally? And she was like, hell no. And, and they're like, well, what do you mean? You know, like you're the mother of peace. And she's like, have a pro peace rally and I'm there. So the yeah. outcome is the same, but the energy is different. Yeah. And, yeah. and probably the outcome isn't the same. Yes. Because the energy is different. Yes. Right. Yes. So I think all right, I so sorry, it. I derailed all of right, okay. But yes. so Smash the patriarchy. Yes. Yes. And speaking of smash the patriarchy, you got to the point where you loved yourself and tell us about the magic happening then. It wasn't this like, oh my gosh, I fucking love myself. It yeah. wasn't like that. It was like, oh my gosh, like loving myself now means different choices. I have to retrain myself. I have to think about what I say yes to. It started with boundaries in like, who get who gets my energy? When do I pick up the phone? When do I not pick up the phone? Meaning no disrespect to the people on the other side, but if I don't have it to give to me, I certainly don't have it to give to you. Yeah. And, and yeah. it created a lot of issues, honestly. People didn't like that. And then once I started to love myself, and that was a while, guys, like I'm 51 now, I would say I figured out how I to love myself in my 40s. You know, my circle of squad was chopped down to like the core, like yeah. the, the people who feel good to be around, the people who don't just love my energy, but they give me their loving energy. People are surprised by that sometimes because I'm a, I'm a bit outgoing and people will think, oh my gosh, you must have so many friends. And I'm like, I don't. I have a whole lot of acquaintances and I have a core of friends and we refill each other's well often. And I think that's one of the keys to loving yourself or what are the choices you then say yes to? What choices do you make? What do you no longer say yes to? No, but saying no is, is the biggest act of self-care. And Josefina taught me that, Liz. 
you say no to something else to say yes to yourself. And at first it was just like lip service. And then it dropped from like my head into my heart where I'm like, no, I understand that now. Never too late <laughs> to get no, it. No, no, no. And actually some people never get it. So, yeah. I, a lot of people never get it. Yes. <laughs> so if you're listening. Yeah. Then. I don't know if I could have gotten it earlier. I would love people to know that like, honestly, it was all part of that journey that I, I don't think I would change this journey at all. Actually, I wouldn't change it at all. Knowing your journey or, you know, the parts that I know of your journey, one part that I think was big was because you were learning this part of yourself and saying no for a yes and, you know, um, loving yourself and putting the boundaries and all of that. I think you also didn't know how to let someone in and to feel loved. And so you really were struggling finding a partner because you didn't know how to do that part. And oh. look at you now. I know. So guys, like, well, Olivia knows, Liz, you're going to know. And I hope anybody listening to this remembers this piece. I, I got divorced and I was single for 10 years. And there were people who legitimately were like, what's wrong with you? Like, what's wrong? Like, why are you not what's doing wrong this? What's with them? What? Yeah. Like, what? you're too picky or like, uh, what are you afraid of? Well, I was afraid very much so. I would say to Olivia, oh my God, I met this guy. Oh my God, I think, I don't know. I'm so scared. I don't know what to do. Like, it was really like a suffering for me. Really and was. then the more I got to know myself and then I met this this soul who I think is just a beautiful man. And if I had met him any minute before I did, I would never have said yes to him because mm. I wouldn't recognize what I had in front of me and what he gets. Like yeah. I was like, damn, like I bring to the table too. So like, let's do this as opposed well, to. Well, it's not that what you had in front of you because of him being more valuable than you. I think it's because of the chance of love. You wouldn't recognize love because because you didn't yes. know what it, what it looked like. Yes. You didn't let yourself feel it. When I started to get even more into loving myself, I used to say, if I was asked on a date, I love sitting in my PJs, on the couch, with a glass of wine, watching Sex in the City. You have to beat that. Like, you have to beat that because that's my company. That's my own company. So if you don't beat that, I'm not getting dressed to go out for that. Anything. <laughs> I think that is totally reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah what do you got that's going to elevate my experience yeah. of like, what that's, I enjoy that's a great day. night for me like that's yeah. a great nope. I, so I'm like you got to beat that yep um but I think it's important to let it to whoever may be listening out there because I think not that you need to you can spend 10 years single and be super happy and never even want it the difference is you wanted it yes you wanted that experience you wanted it to appear in your life and it happened. And so that's the part that I think it's good for everyone to listen because it may be the love of your life that you're looking for, or it may be your dream job as a life coach slash meditation Reiki master, or it may be getting pregnant, like whatever it may be, it's good to hear these stories that give you hope. Like, yes, I struggled with it for 10 years, but then I achieved it. And that's the big part, I think. Yes, because belief is everything. And so the belief is what brings that closer to you. So for the 10 years, I thought, 
I want a relationship, but I'm probably just not going to find it. And then I started to get into a space of belief again, where I was like, no, 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 Jenny, that's just your ego. That's your fear. Like cut the shit. Like, and so once I believed more than I didn't is when it happened. Mm-hmm. And so anything is possible at any time. And that's the thing, right? Like I believed more than I didn't. Yes. It doesn't have to be a hundred zero. It just has to be 5149. Just believe more than you don't. Yeah. And yeah. then it's coming. It, 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 it's, it's looking for you. I love it's, that. It's, mm-hmm. so love when that. do you feel the most powerful, Jenny? Oh gosh. Throughout this whole process, when did I feel the most powerful? Yeah. Or now. Or in general. Like, yeah. Oh gosh, I'm going to many places in my head. Okay, so I would say my power is most evident for me when I use this, but when I finally recognize that my intuition is always right. And once I recognize that my intuition is so strong and so real and so powerful, that is probably the most powerful, like super power I have is listening to my intuition and making actual choices around my intuition. It's true. Like listening to yourself and that voice rooted inside of you is an incredibly powerful thing. It is. Whenever someone is with me, my questions always go back to what do you feel? I tell people for me, the only irresponsible thing in for me is not listening to your soul. That's the only thing that's irresponsible. And I feel like that's what my intuition has done for me. It's given me the ability to listen to my soul. So nothing I do is irresponsible. And you do live by that, which is the commandable part. Because a lot of people can do this from the mouth out, but you don't. You live that way. And I'm a witness to it. Yeah. And I, I have I to say, it. it's funny, my, my meditation group on Saturday mornings, we laugh though, because like, oh, this is our truth and let's tap in and love and raise your vibration and all of it. And then we park across the street and it's a busy street and me, so you're like, you know, I, say, I live by it. I'm like, okay, everybody, you know, Satnam, blah, 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 go. And then I'm walking across the street and I'm like, these fuckers won't even stop for us to cross the street. <laughs> I'm like, I live it and then I don't. <laughs> so it turns well, on and off. <laughs> yeah, we contain multitudes, you know. Yes. <laughs> we are human. Yeah. What you yes. Do, you know? yes. That's what makes us beautiful. <laughs> um, this has been wonderful, Jenny. Yeah, Thank thanks, you Jenny. so much, really. This is great. Oh, I'm so honored to be part of this, to listen to you as well. You know, we're always learning and teaching. So it's like a two-way street here. It's good to talk with you. I love you. Okay, bye, girl. Bye. Thanks for listening, everybody. Join Olivia and I next week when we sit down for a mid-season chat and we ruminate about everything we've learned this season and where we're going in the new year. And don't forget, You can catch up on old episodes wherever you listen to your podcasts.